As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. He wanted to go to City, but he didn't want to go to City so much that he would press the nuclear button. Daniel Levy was personally offended by the conduct of the Kane camp. City wanted Kane, but they didn't want him enough. Hello everyone, I'm Danny Kelly and I'm your host of The View from the Lane, the Athletics Tottenham Hotspur podcast, uh, which we're now releasing two episodes every single week. Get them, enjoy them, disseminate them, tell your chums. I'm joined on the podcast today by the Athletics Jack Pitt Brook to reflect on the news that Harry Kane will stay at Spurs after all. So let me just start by saying... Let bonfires be lit in the high points of the land. Let bells ring out from every church and chapel. Let bunting bejewel every street and every town, village and hamlet. Harry Kane is staying at Spurs. We have elbowed the other members of this podcast because the person who said that was going to happen all along is Jack Pitt Brook. And here he is. Hi, Jack. Hey, Danny. I mean... Look, I mean, I don't understand why you're not wearing a flowery shirt and weaving flowers in and out of your hair. You should be celebrating in a, in a world full of um, weasels and wastrels and wazics and wombats telling me this was definitely going to happen. One man stood firm, even though he has some affiliations to Manchester City and said, no, this ain't going to happen. That man was you. Well, I don't actually own any flowery shirts, Danny, so I <laughs> ah, would not be able well, to celebrate Well, as you can see, I, I definitely do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, yeah I'm, ce- I'm celebrating in my own way. I am ple- I'm pleased for all sorts of different reasons that Kane announced on Wednesday morning that he'd be staying at Spurs. The first is that I found, frankly, the whole thing has been quite boring. It's been mm-hmm. 13 weeks of no- actually not very much happening, you know, apart from the few days when Kane wasn't in training and then... Uh, the occasional kind of flickers of interest from Manchester City. This has been a saga in which nothing has happened and ultimately nothing has changed. You know, we are more or less in the same point now that we were back when the Gary Neville interview came out in the middle of May, which feels like a very long time ago now. But I, I, I am, I must admit, I am also pleased because it, it was always my view that there was never quite the political will to make this happen. You know, Daniel Levy was adamant that he didn't want to sell Harry Kane. The three years remaining on Harry Kane's contract and the lack of any kind of formal release clause meant that the power was in Levy's hands to to set the tone. And while Kane clearly wanted to go, Manchester City didn't give Daniel Levy enough reason to change his mind. You know, they 
City wanted Kane, but they didn't want him enough. I think that was for me. That was one part of the story of this summer. City didn't want Kane enough. They didn't give Levy any reason to change, and that Levy was always going to win. He was always. It was. It's been clear to me since June. I think that Levy was going to win this, and Kane was going to stay, and that's how it's. That's how it's turned out in the end. Well, this is a Spurs podcast, but let's widen it out to, to the meeting. If, if what you say is true, and I've taken great comfort in the long summer nights from what you were telling me, that you know, because I didn't want it to happen for obvious reasons, why were so many other people in the media and every single ex-pro and pundit who gets put in front of a microphone or a TV camera, none of them, not one of them said, this is a bad idea, or Kane should stay and see through his contract, or... Just there was no questioning. It was just like it was a given that Manchester City, bless them, we know we know that they're they're large with money, but they would just come down from their PR mountain, scoop up the England centre forward, and would all move on. What? Why would? Why would? What I want to ask you, I'll be more concise with the, with the question, Jack. Why were the media so invested, so committed to this transfer happening? Well, I think the media has a structural bias towards things happening and the possibility of things happening as opposed to things not happening you know it's but um player doesn't player player not going to make transfer it's not going to sell any it's, it's not going to sell any newspapers i also think that you know the british football media is obsessed with and addicted to transfers and transfer gossip and talking about transfers even if you know um in this particular instance, I think the ingredients were never quite there for this transfer to come off. People just do love talking about transfers. And that's not necessarily because they... I don't think it's necessarily a big club bias or because they think City are you know, entitled to Kane or because they think... Or because they're against Tottenham in any sense. No, but no, no. I don't people just people just love talking about transfers and the possibility of transfers. Frankly, more than they like talking about football. Like, there's one thing that does wind me up about the media a bit. Yeah, is that people never really talk about football. They would much rather talk about you know whether it's a potential transfer or who shook whose hands or who you know VAR or, or endless bullshit about referees, which I find mm-hmm. incredibly boring. But people won't say. You know, you know who's really, you know who's a really good player. Yeah, player A, or you know who I actually don't really see quite what they're good at. Player B, and yeah. that's what that's one thing that's always wound me up about the media. But that's a another conversation. Yeah, you're listening to View from the Lane. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Don't forget, it's twice a week now. Um, usually Mondays and Thursdays. Um, today with just myself, Danny Kelly, and Jack Pitbrook, because Jack has been. Um, rewarded for being the single and only informed journalist who told us that Harry Kane wouldn't be going anywhere. Jack is one of the reasons why he's not going anywhere. I've got to be careful because you don't want to get personal with people. Um, it's business up for them after all. The way he's represented, he doesn't have a big star, a big global agent. I certainly think that, yeah, I mean, I think there is something in that. I think that the people around Kane, which is clearly his family who, who run his career at the moment, have misread the situation and that that is a big part of why he is where he is today because you know a, a transfer of this size you've got to get all your you've got to get all your ducks in line you know you need to know you need to know what's coming from the other side and clearly i think that the fact that harry kane could take this dramatic he took various dramatic steps this summer the two big ones really being the gary neville interview 
and then not coming back on time for preseason training. So that's, those are two big dramatic actions. And clearly, he would have done those in the hope that this would make his transfer more likely, not less likely. The Gary Neville interview massively backfired because it turned this from a potential business proposition for Daniel Levy into something that was immensely personal. Daniel Levy was personally offended by the conduct of the Kane camp back in May, and that made Levy adamant that Kane would not be sold. If things had gone differently, and I think, this is just speculation on my part, but if Kane had been working with maybe a more experienced agent who could have offered to Daniel Levy a potential deal that Levy would see upside for himself and for the football club in, then I think Levy could have been persuaded to do it. But I think that the way, and I've you know I've been told this by, by many people who are very close to the situation, I think the way that the process was handled from Kane's end was so clumsy that it personally upset Levy in such a way that Levy said, I'm not going to sell, I'm not going to sell you under any circumstances. So that part of it was badly handled, the, the clumsiness which pissed off Levy. The second issue with how it was handled is that City didn't want him quite enough. If City had come in, let's say, when Kane wasn't showing up for preseason training, which would have been the optimum moment to strike, if City had come in at that point, £125 million plus another £30 million of add-ons, or £150 million plus sure, add-ons, sure. or some kind of, meg, you know, both of those bids would have been, the, I think, the third biggest bid in the history of football transfers. Then, at that point, Kane could say, well, look, I've done my bit, I've, I've kicked up a fuss, City are now going to come in and negotiate with Daniel Levy, and maybe they're going to hammer out a deal. But the fact that at that crucial moment, City didn't come in with a deal, it just left Kane, it left Kane exposed and it proved that the deal had not been fully lined up, that Kane could not, Kane could not get City and Levy to negotiate a, a deal for him to go. You used the phrase that um, his representatives had misread the situation. Do you think Manchester City misled him and his people that they were, you know, you you let it be known you want to leave. We'll sort it out in the summer. Clearly, there was a a breakdown in communication between City and Kane's camp. I mean, that is incredibly obvious just from the events of the last few weeks. I do feel a bit that City hung Kane out to dry. You know, whether or not they did, I'm not saying they did that on purpose or maliciously, but I think that that is effectively what's happened in the sense that Kane has taken these dramatic actions which have damaged his standing with Tottenham Hotspur. I'm sure it'll recover in time, but that's been the effect of it in, right now. And City haven't followed up with the support. You know, it reminds me of is a bit when, you know that famous scene in The Godfather when Michael Corleone kills Salozzo and Captain McCluskey in that Italian restaurant in the Bronx? You're talking my language now, yeah. And before then, when they're setting him up, so this is a huge spoiler if you've ever seen The Godfather, if you haven't yet seen The Godfather. Well, they wouldn't be, if you haven't seen The Godfather, you shouldn't be allowed, I'm banning you from this podcast. You're now officially banned from the podcast. When they're setting up Michael to kill Salozzo and McCluskey, um, and and they do this by sellotaping a gun behind the, the, the toilet in the gents. Clemenza does it, yeah. Cle, Clemen, <laughs> I think, no, Sonny says oh. to Clemenza, I don't, want, I don't want Michael coming up there with just his dick in his hands. Yes. By which I mean, if you're going to take, if someone's going to take a dramatic, a dramatic and dangerous course of action on your behalf, they have to have the backup to make sure it's going to come off. 
And I'm not, you know, and look, we should just say, I'm not comparing any of the characters in The Godfather with the characters involved oh, in it's the a great transfer game. I think we should do that. We should spend the next but, 20 minutes. Go on. The point is that if you if you're gonna you know if you're gonna induce someone to do something dramatic and dangerous on your behalf, they have to have the backing. You know, you have to have the gun has to be behind the toilet. Yes. The gun has to be behind the toilet if you're going to kill yep. Salazzo and McCluskey. And if you're going to not show up for preseason training, then you need Man City to come in with 125 million quid. And they didn't. And so, in that sense, it is a failure of organisation and management and politics that the this deal could not be landed and found. Forgive me because, as I told you, and you know from the previous podcast and then the like the listeners and the subscribers know, um, I promised myself about 20 years ago when something else happened, I won't go into it, um, it's, I'm still in therapy, that I would never, ever fall in love with another footballer because you're going to get your heart broken. But I have allowed myself to fall in love with Harry Kane. So you'll forgive me if this is slightly rose-tinted. I believe Harry Kane would have liked a chance to go to Manchester City. Um, but you say that Manchester City didn't want him enough. I wonder if Harry wants it enough. Even... I've, I've clung, as well as to your honey-sweet words over the last few weeks, I've clung to that interview with Gary Neville in which he couldn't bring himself to say, I'd like to try something new. He said, I might like to. Talk to the chairman about it. Do you think Kane, deep... I mean, it's hard to... We're, we're not psychologists, you and I. Um, deep, deep, deep in his actual heart, he didn't really have the heart for the fight to actually force himself out. If he was, If he really wanted to go, he could have gone, I'm guessing. I certainly think he could have pushed harder. You know, at the start of the window, he could have, he could have explicitly said he could that he wanted to go. He never he, said it. He he. So he could have been more explicit with that. He could have not come back to preseason training at all. I think, and I think, kind of at the back of the minds of people at Tottenham, they always thought through this summer. Well, of course he wants to go, and but the fact is, he will come back and knuckle down. You know, he's a, he's not like you know. I think Gareth. You know, Gareth Bale, I think, would had no qualms really in not knuckling down to get that move to Real Madrid in 2013. But I think at Tottenham they did sense that Kane would be slightly different, and and also you know and also because Kane wants to stay in the England team, he wants the Premier League goalscorers record, he wants a Tottenham goalscorers record, he wants the England goalscorers record, he wants to be fit ahead of the World Cup in Qatar next year. So Kane's got all these reasons to want to be playing every week, and I think Spurs did sense that while Kane might. You know, he 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 wanted to go to City, but he didn't want to go to City so much that he would take he would press the nuclear button, which he never quite he never quite pressed. No, and and this is this is always the way. I often you know you have to look at the background of people when they, when these things start to happen. I'm sure, uh, Gareth Bale loved his time at Spurs. He said so and came back to play again last season. But he wasn't a Spurs lad. He's a Welsh boy who came through Southampton. Dimitar Berbatov was. I'm not sure about the geography, perhaps 1,500 miles from home when he threatened to go on strike. It's not his club. For Kane, despite that picture of him in an Arsenal shirt as a child, um, it's slightly different. And, you know, I could confront almost anybody, Jack, including yourself, if I felt I was being maligned in some way. I'm pretty quick at getting into people's face, except for members of my own family, because the the ramifications are generational. It'll go beyond this argument. It'll bring up stuff that you don't want bringing up. And I wonder whether he was really there. I mean, you've written a long, long piece and there's many other detailed pieces, but you've written a long piece in Athletics today about the series of events. Do you give any credence to this idea that I see in some um, reports that discussions with Paritici and Nuno 
um, have helped to soften Harry's determination to leave. Do you give any any credence to those? I don't know. I know he, he's clearly spoken a lot to Nuno. Nuno has been pretty open with us in press conferences that he's been speaking to Kane regularly and 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 also Puratici has taken a big role in the last month or two, basically basically telling the Kane family what the club's position was. You know, since Puratici came in in June, he has re- you know he has genuinely taken over the running of the football side of the club. And Daniel Levy has taken a bit of a step back on these issues. So it's been Paratici who's been saying to the Canes, I'm sorry, I know you do want to go, but you're not going anywhere, rather than Daniel Levy himself, who previously would have done that job. Whether or not they have persuaded Kane of the merits of staying, well, I don't know. I mean, mm. look, Kane, we should be honest here. Kane isn't staying because he wants to stay. No, no. He's, stay- he's staying because Tottenham-, because Tottenham said no. So I wouldn't necessarily agree that Kane has been persuaded of the, the benefits of staying yet. That said, I'm sure he probably has been impressed by what Nuno's done and said so far, because it, it's hard not to be. And also by Paratici, who I think is is a very, is an impressive person. And it might just be that if Paratici can buy another two good players in the next week or so, then Kane might think, you know what, we've got a decent swing at it this, this season, and I'll give it my best, and then let's see where we are next summer, which I think really has to be everyone's approach to this uh, from here on. Unless, and I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, clearly, um, January doesn't seem like a goer to me. Um, there's a lot of things uh, are moving in the world at the present moment, the world of football. Um, we'll see what happens with Cristiano Ronaldo in the next few days. Um uh, obviously, Mbappe is uh, semi-detached from Paris Saint-Germain. And of course, the Erling Haaland thing uh, still very much swirls above the heads of all these super clubs. Do you think that Kane will sign a new, would sign a new contract? He was offered plenty of money at Spurs. That's a great question. I think it's... I don't sense there'd be much appetite for that to happen right now because I don't see what anybody would get out of it now. I think, But I think at the end of the season... The big question is going to be when we get to April and May 2022, who else wants him and for how much for? My guess is that City won't come back in for him. I think it was probably now or never for City just because City, it was never really City's policy to sign older players. I also think City's number one target next year will be Haaland. For Manchester United, well, I'm sure United would like Haaland as well, but they can't both sign him. And I think it would just be a little bit more consistent with what Man United do to buy a 29-year-old K next summer. I remember Robin Van Persie was 29 when he went to Man United in 2012, I think. Because you, you could also draw the line. I mean, it's slightly different with Henrik Larsson. They're, they're not yeah. against bringing even Cavani. They understand yeah, that great exactly. strikers bring something, some fizz to a team. That otherwise, um, it lacks that particular thing up front. So instinctively, I'd say... I, I would guess that Man United would be more likely than Manchester City next summer. That said, the big outstanding questions are, one, how well does Kane do? You know, if he's mm-hmm. top of the goal scorers and assist table again this season, like he was last season, then I think then maybe, I don't know, name your team, Juventus, whoever, could be thinking, oh, you know what, I'll give it a go. If he's if he's 29, he's got, we can get him for slightly cheaper. He'll help us win the Champions League. Uh, but the other factor is how Tottenham do. You know, if Tottenham come fourth, Levy will say, well, why on earth would I sell you? You're back in the Champions League. If Tottenham come eighth, then I think maybe the dynamic will change a bit. And it'll be harder for Daniel Levy to say no yet for a third summer in a row to Harry Kane. So 
Um, I think I think both of those two variables are in play, really. How well Kane does this season, how well Tottenham does. Because if Kane has a bad, let's say hypothetically Kane has a bad season, ankle injury, not really looking himself, bit heavy legs, bit tired from the Euros, which, you know, could happen. That could totally happen. If that happens, and then City get Haaland and United get, I don't know, Vlajevic, anyone else, another mm-hmm. number nine, and there's not interest for Kane... And I think at that point, it becomes likelier, counterintuitively, that he does sign that new contract at Tottenham. Yeah. Because then Kane will think, well, if I'm not going to get my big move, and if Daniel Levy's offering me a pay rise locked into the next four or five seasons... Why wouldn't you sign it, of course? Why would you not, yeah. why would you not sign that, mo- that deal and guarantee myself money through to 2026 or whatever? The only club you didn't mention there, uh, of the, uh, the, the ever-revolving spectral uh, clubs that are sucking all the life out of football, is Paris Saint-Germain. If Mbappe goes and Pochettino is still there, then you could see Harry Kane filling that slot, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think... Look, I think Mbappe will go to Real Madrid, whether it's this week for money or... Next week, next, next or, year for free, or, yeah. Or, ne- or next summer for free. I mean, clearly Mbappe wants to go to Real Madrid. Whether or not Kane could fill the gap, maybe. I mean, you know, he's worked with Pochettino. Strange, stranger things have happened than, Poch- than PSG signing Kane. Look, clearly, he's got a good relationship with Pochettino. Um, it was never really Kane's preference this year to go abroad. To go abroad. No. I think he wants to share a record too much yeah. to do that. But again, you know, it's been so. Of course, it, it could totally happen. If PSG come in next year with a lot of money and Daniel Levy decides maybe this is the best deal for everyone, then then who knows? Particularly if City and United don't. Yeah. Well, listen, it's. It, it, I think I suspect it's calmed down for another twelve months um, or eleven months at least, maybe nine. Who knows? Um, I share your view that it, it, it is uh, for you. It's boring for me. It's both boring and stressful. So it's best that it goes away for a little while, Jack. The other thing I'd want to say, actually, sorry, on the possibilities for next summer is I don't think Kane will be in the mood for any kind of big disruption. Ahead of Qatar, you know, Qatar twenty Qatar World Cup is obviously November twenty twenty two, so there'll be a break in the start of uh, of next season to to squeeze it in. Kane's going to be, you know, England are going to qualify. Kane will be captain England. This really is the tournament that he's been building up to his whole life. He'll be twenty nine years old, at hopefully in the peak of his powers, and he is not going to want to. He's not going to want a saga or to take a big punt on his future going into that and so I, th- I I would also mention that as being another possible motivational pull towards perhaps signing a new deal at Tottenham next summer and I love your optimism Jack that these World Cup qualifiers are going to get played check what's happening <laughs> with the South American equivalents and uh, we'll see we come back and we'll talk a little bit about will anybody else be joining Harry Kane uh, at White Hart Lane in his crusade uh, to win trophies and how many French speaking players will be let go by Spurs in the next six days Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. This is what we've got planned for you across the Athletic Podcast Network this season. The Ornstein and Chapman podcast has been rebranded as the Athletic Football Podcast. We'll release four episodes across the week as our journalists bring you the very best insight into the biggest stories in football and the business of sport. Michael Cox will continue to bring you the smartest analysis of all the big games in the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. Adam Hurry will now host two episodes of the Football Clichés podcast every single week with his usual take on the game. There's a brand new athletic FPL podcast with our fantasy football expert, the FPL General, giving you all the advice you need to stay ahead of your mates and top of the FPL rankings. 
And the Athletic Podcast Network is also home now to a host of club-specific shows, some of which are going to be releasing multiple episodes every week. And we're now your destination, don't forget, for the Totally Football Show with James Richardson and the Totally Football League Show. And that is it. We can't fit any more in. All you've got to do is search for The Athletic in your podcast provider of choice or go to our podcast section on The Athletic app. Not surprisingly, with all of the stuff that I've just mentioned, The Athletic is now the world's biggest football podcast network. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. you're listening still to the view from the lane podcast don't forget it's out twice a week now mondays and thursdays um, myself danny kelly jack pitt brook and others charlie Eccleshare, james moore um hopefully you're enjoying is listening to it as much as we're enjoying doing it in which case you're having an absolute blast kane stays and you're right to say we've got four or five days left of the transfer window i suppose we need to get a lot of players off the books don't think i'm looking at aurier sissoko Ndombele, but no one's going to buy Ndombele or even take him on loan. He earns too much money. What about incomings first? Before before I clear out all the French speakers out of the team, except for Hugo Lloris, of course, meant to mention it in the last podcast, 300 Premier League games for Spurs. And I'm going to upset a lot of people by saying the second best Spurs goalkeeper ever after Pat Jennings. Um, I never saw Ted Ditchburn play. Um, what about incomings? Is there because at the moment I've got to be honest now. I've given Daniel Levy props for for staring down Manchester City, but if you take the Foyt transfer, uh, the way Lamella's deal was done, and Alderweireld, the few bob they got for Alderweireld, the actually Spurs are just about breaking even, possibly a couple of million in profit so far. Son's new contract notwithstanding, but in terms of transfer fees, is he going to spend any money? Yes, I think so. I think Tottenham have been working on the assumption that Kane would stay. So it's not as wow. if they had been, you know, it's not as if they'd been waiting to sell Kane to spend. Uh, I do think they'll get another attacking player, another defensive player. In terms of the attacking player, certainly this week they've been thinking and talking about Adama Traore from Wolves. Uh, my understanding of this the other day is that they'd agreed a deal with Wolves, which was more or less that Adama would come on loan to Tottenham this season and they would buy him next season, which is how lots of the deals are being structured mm-hmm. at the moment. But Tottenham didn't quite want to complete this deal while they spent another few days assessing what else might be out there. Um, but this was a few days ago, so I'm not exactly sure what the situation is right now on Thursday morning with Traore. Um, Saar, the kid from Metz in France, I think, again, has gone back to Metz for the season, but he's, by all accounts, an incredibly gifted and exciting player who will be involved next season at the club. And then there's a defender. At some point, they will get a new defender in. The issue with the defender, though, Danny, I'm told, is that they need to get rid of some defenders before they can get some in. You know, they've wanted... all. We mentioned on last week's show, all summer they've wanted rid of Serge Aurier, 
Nobody wants to sign him. They tried and tried and tried and couldn't find anyone to sign Aurier. If they got rid of Aurier, and maybe even if they got rid of Matt Doherty at all, which I don't think they'd be heartbroken to do, then they could get in another specialist right back. But if they can't get rid of Aurier, then they don't really need a specialist right back. Maybe they'll get a backup centre-back as well in. That said, I think they have considered getting rid of Sanchez, but I'm sure Sanchez will stay. I think he's played pretty well so far. Eric Dyer, I think, will also stay. So I think we're... You know, some of these players who were on the transfer list maybe earlier in the summer, I think we now know they're going to stay. Some players, I think they would still be open to offers. I think Moose is a They would be open to offers. They're not asking for a lot of money for him. Again, they're really struggling to find someone to take the Soko. Again, really indicative of just the lack of liquidity in the market right now because, so you know, Soko's not the most talented player I've ever seen, but he's a pretty effective one. He's mm-hmm. done, I think, pretty well over his five years at Tottenham. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think, I think the last six months, I think he's lost a bit of spirit under Jose Mourinho. Yeah, and, as they and all he, did. And the, and the ferocious effort that he used to put in yeah. had died away. Let me ask you about one more of Spurs' current players. And um, Dombele. It's not, well... We've got to mention Dombele. Well, do Dombele and then I'll come on to another okay. one. Go so, on. Dombele, I think, is probably the most interesting... Now that we know Kane's staying, I think Dombele is probably the most interesting question in the last sort of four or five days of the window. Uh, Dombele is asked to leave at the start of pre-season. That's why he didn't play in pre-season. That's why Nuno hasn't picked him so far. He wants to go. It's clearly Tottenham have not yet been able to find somewhere for him to go. Uh, the fact that he costs Tottenham £55 million and is on £200,000 a week doesn't make it that easy. They are working hard. They're looking at potential, you know, they were looking at potential loans, swaps, anything they could do to get Ndombele off the books, maybe get somebody else in from abroad. Uh, that has not happened yet. I think they will continue to work on it. You know what? I kind of think this will happen. I have this instinctive, just because he is such a talented player, I think mm. other clubs will look at him and think, you know what? It's worth the pun. He's one He's one that that coaches will think they can get. Let's take the risk. Some of what we saw for Leon, particularly against Manchester City in the Champions yeah. League um, two years ago, they think that's in there. We can get it out. Whether Spurs can then prize, I don't know, a Kese or someone else out of another club in exchange for him, we'll see. One more. Um, it's not so long ago that he was in the World Cup squad and playing for England semi-regularly. It's Harry Winks. Um, but now, clearly down the pecking order at Spurs. I think he's a decent footballer. I think he needs to be coached to play more positively. But I also think that there are lots of teams in the Premier League who have got worse players in their midfield than Harry Winks. Is he going to just sit there and be happy with being a substitute? I don't know. I think the, I think the Winks situation is a really interesting one. He gets, you know... He certainly divides opinion mm-hmm. on, on social media and I think amongst... So does absolutely well. everybody, including me and you. Yeah, I uh, I have to say, I've always been on the sort of pro-wink side of this particular mm-hmm. issue. I thought he was fantastic under Pochettino. Uh, he's, he's a very gifted, natural footballer. Um, he helps you keep possession. He's got a very... He can really... He can play incisive passes. I think he's never really... I think he's always struggled with the defensive side of the game, if we're honest. It's not, it doesn't come naturally to him. And I think he has not been as effective since those injuries he had in Pochettino's last full season. Um, now, I, to be honest, I think with Skip, back at, with Skip back at the club, I think it's probably in everyone's best interest if Winks has found a move. Uh, mm. Although... I think it's difficult because, you know, Winks is a good age, he's an England international, that makes him more expensive. It's kind of difficult to find the right buyer at this point. And I, I do know that with, with Ndombele, with, you know, as the club tried to sell Ndombele, there is an argument that you kind of keep Winks in place now while you try and yep. sort out a move for Ndombele. Uh, because if, 
I mean, Skip is Skip is very very young. If Hoybjerg gets injured and it's it's not working out for Skip, then you need another body in midfield, which would be Winks. Um, so yeah, I do think, which is a long way of saying, I do think a move is probably the right op- is probably the right answer for Winks, but I don't know what that move is. No. And I wouldn't be surprised if he stays and ends up playing a fair bit just because they they will need him. And like so many players who have an English stamp on their passport, that extra bit transfer fees end up demanding um, just makes them... It's been very tough, I think, for English players to move this this really tough, summer yeah. because of the, of the financial state. It's bad enough when you're trying to grab players from Scandinavia and all the rest of it in France. Mm. Um, English players are finding it very, very difficult to go from yeah. one club to another. So Jaden Sancho obviously got his move, but then it was kind of easy for Sancho because he's if you're Man United's top target they're going to find the money to buy you. But there's lots of other English players out there who I think at the start of the summer would definitely have thought that they wanted to move. You know, I mean, Harry Kane is actually a really good example. Sure, Jack Grealish got his move to City. Harry Kane didn't get his. Uh, Declan Rice hasn't got his move. Deli Ali still at Tottenham. I'm sure he wouldn't have minded moving. Kieran Trippier still at Atletico Madrid. Uh, James Madison is still at Leicester City. It's not always that easy if you're an English player to get the move that you might want. We'll take one more quick break to catch our breath. When we come back, we'll uh, get back to what can only be described as the actual football and Spurs' next fixture against Watford. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Yeah, heading full tilt for the finishing line on this edition of the View from the Lane podcast with me, Danny Kelly, and Jack uh, Pitt Brook. Now that the well, the transfer window hasn't quite ground closed, but the football is up and running. Jack, thank God, thank the living Christ for that. Spurs have got a, a home game against Watford, uh, exactly the sort of game that last season they were struggling in. I don't think there's much doubt that whether Kane is or isn't used um, in the game against Faros uh, on Thursday night, he'll definitely start against Watford. And that will involve a shift around, I think, uh, of that um, of the team that's won its opening two fixtures. You know, some will move back one, some will have to drop the bench. Or maybe, I mean, they wouldn't dream of leaving him on the bench, would they? 
No, I mean, you can't... No, I mean, clearly Kane will be starting for Tottenham sooner rather than later. I imagine he will start this Watford, the Watford game. I'm actually going to the, the Europa Conference League game tonight. I don't know whether or not Kane will start. By the time this podcast is out, I think it will probably be close to kickoff time. So you'll yeah. know one way or the other, listeners. I, think, I guess the question really, given that Kane and Son will certainly start, is do you drop Lucas or Bergwijn? And I... I'm really enjoying Bergwijn at the moment. Well, you know the rules of Spurs. At any moment, any excuse, you drop Lucas Moura. That's the rules, isn't it? I think that moment he had, that kind of bit of skill he did down on the left-hand side in the Wolves game was incredible. Like, he's so, he's just utterly a player transformed from the Bergwijn last season, whose confidence was clearly destroyed by the previous management. And I just think he's, you know, it's nice to watch him play with that confidence and style and uh, directness and bravery that we know that he can do. So that said, Lucas is a pretty consistent guy for goals and assists. So I imagine it's probably likelier that Lucas will stay in the team, but my personal preference would be for Bergwin to stay in the team. Yeah, Lucas has the uh, the advantage of work rate, which... Um, uh, yeah. And, so Bergwin works hard as well. I, I'm not always sure, particularly under the previous manager, I'm sick of going on about it, boring on about it. I'm not often sure he was taking up the correct defensive positions that the amount of running he was doing might... Uh, uh, give him the right to do. Um, but it, it, they both work hard, and that, and that goes a long way with Nuno Espirito Santo. Lastly, then, uh, as I say, people who uh, have subscribed to The Athletic can read your long piece about the, uh, not just the emotional stuff that I was getting into, but the mechanics, the nuts and bolts and moving parts of what's happened with Kane, Manchester City, Manchester, sorry, uh, Tottenham and Daniel Levy, uh, even Joe Lewis. Um, was said for once to have had some influence on this. He wasn't best pleased with the way things were going either. Uh, uh, so that's there. What else are you going to be doing for us in the in the athletic in the near future, Jack? So I am going to the Europa Conference League game this evening, which I'm quite looking forward to. Although, as we discussed on last week's show, I don't think it would be the end of the world for Spurs if they were, if they were knocked out. If they were not, if Spurs lose tonight, they will become banter FC for all of Friday. And then on Saturday, something will happen in the Premier League, maybe it, maybe even in the Arsenal-Manchester City game, and then everyone would forget about Spurs losing to Pashos de Ferreira in the, in the, what I'm trying not to call the Vauxhall Conference League. Yeah. So people would forget about it quickly. And then on Sunday, I'm doing the, I'm doing Tottenham's Premier League game against Watford, Watford yeah. which I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, don't, I was watching Watford on Manchester Day the other day. I'm going to sound really ignorant here. I didn't know who any of the players were. No. They changed the, any of the players. Were. It, they've had it, such a they've had such a turnover of players since they last went down that I only I only recognised about three or four of the names. And then when they played in the Carabao Cup during the week and had the second team out, it was even more astonishing. You could say, "Oh, is that Will Hugh? There's Danny Rose." All kind, they got an amazing amount of footballers there, but it always reminds me of the Simpsons bit where Grandpa Simpson comes in the in the room, takes his hat off, hangs it up, and then in one twirl comes back around again, puts his hat back on, and leaves. That's what it must be to be a Watford player. Listen, I Jack, would like to see Danny Rose. I would like to see Danny Rose oh. on Sunday because he's just you know, as all listeners to this podcast will know, he was a fantastic player for Tottenham, and he's also a very admirable, honest, uh, genuine man who I think has brought an awful lot to football in England and to the England national team and to Tottenham Hotspur and the other teams he's played for. So I think I would love to see him do well and settle in and make an impact at Watford because he is such, well, such he was, a he genuinely He was, he was man of the match in, in, in the Carabao Cup tie. Um, and, you know, despite the fact that he fell out in the end um, 
with the hierarchy at Spurs, I'm pretty sure that if he does pitch up um, at left full back for Watford at the at the uh, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, as White Hart Lane is now ridiculously called, um, I'm sure he will get a fantastic reception because one thing about Danny. Um, when he was wearing that white shirt, he put absolutely everything into it, including, of course, starting many, many rows that he no didn't necessarily need to get involved in. Jack, it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy. Um, I told you we could do this with just the two of us. And I've been, and a bit like you with Harry Kane, I've been proven 100% <laughs> right. So thanks to Jack Pitt Brook. Uh, thank you all for listening to The View from the Lane. I want you to go now, open the window of whatever room you're in, open the window wide. That noise you hear, that's church bells ringing out. Harry Kane is staying at Spurs. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.